All right. Well, welcome to the first of many, we hope, uh, podcasts of The Theological Throwdown. This is a podcast of the Christian podcast community podcasters. So all those who are podcasting on the Christian podcast community, we get together or some of us get together and we discuss different theology where we disagree sometimes and we want to disagree in love and charity. Tonight's topic is going to be Christian liberty. I hope we have some liberty with that one. So uh, we have several folks on right now, several podcasts represented. Uh, I'm going to name each of them and then let each person just give a quick shout out for their podcast. But we have Jamal Bandy of the uh, Prescribed Truth. We got James White. No, not that James White, the other James White of Everyday Ministries podcast. We have... Uh, Kristen is with the Awe and Wonder, and we also have Eve Franklin from Are You Just Watching? That's my favorite one, really. No, I'm joking with her. She, <laughs> the, the joke is her show is about uh, movies and critically thinking through movies, and I am pop culture illiterate. Uh, I, I joked with her. I did go see, just for her, she did a podcast on Marvel Endgame, so I went and watched it. Did you wear a suit and tie? Did yes, I did. Yes, yeah. they were. It's all a picture. <laughs> Snazzy. That has been the most uncomfortable three and a half hours of your life. Oh, actually, no. <laughs> See, you got to remember, I kind of grew up in a suit, so I'm, I'm. That's fine with me. But we were actually at a at a uh, a bar mitzvah, and so we had three hours in between. So we decided to go do that, and Eve. Explain to me that you shouldn't go watch Marvel Endgame as the first Marvel movie that you watch. Yeah. Because you don't kind of understand anything. Yeah, you missed about 30 other movies, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can see how, how into movies I am. So, Jamal, why don't we start with your show? Give a, a quick shout out for, since the doctor's in the house now. Come on, Doc. Yeah, so my name is Jamal Bandy, and I, I was, it's a delay. So my name is Jamal Bandy, and I'm the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast. Um, the website is prescribedtruth.com, and I have a feature my podcast every week, preferably on Mondays. So I would be really grateful if you would check it out when you get a chance. Thank you. All right, who did I get mentioned next? Uh, James White, you're next in the list. All right, go for it. All right. Well, I'm James White. I'm one of the co-hosts on the Everyday Ministry Podcast. It's me and three other guys. We do two types of shows. The one, the first one is every first and third Monday of the week of the month. It is a 30-minute to an hour-long episode where we discuss just a more weighty topic about everyday ministry. And then the third and the second and fourth Mondays, we release an episode called Minister's Minute. It's about a 10-minute episode about just a particular part of everyday ministry. All right, and Kristen, Awe and Wonder. Yes, I'm Kristen Hamilton with the In Awe and Wonder podcast. Um, my website is kristen-hamilton.com, and I will be putting out podcasts um, at least twice a month. And it will be mainly for um, women to promote biblical literacy. 
um, doing Bible studies and, and theology type of stuff. So, yeah. So we can send that to Beth Moore, right? She, right. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, she needs it. Sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, I'm going to get myself in trouble early. All right. <laughs> Eve, are you just I'm, watching? Yeah, I'm Eve Franklin, and I host a, uh, co-host a podcast called Are You Just Watching, in which we... Pr- pick one movie every month and discuss it from a Christian worldview, applying critical thinking and apologetics to what we're watching. So we're not just shutting off our brain and let Hollywood do our thinking for us. And you, so have, you can find it. Oh, can find us at are you just watching.com. And you have been podcasting longer than any of us. <laughs> it's hard to believe. So you start have as many episodes out though, because we only do one a month. Yeah. Okay. But you have been podcasting. So you started when you were what, like five, right? Because You've been doing it for like <laughs> 10 years. All right. And I'm I'm Andrew Rapport. I'm the host of Andrew Rapport's Rap Report. Uh, I have a daily edition Monday through Friday, two days, uh, uh, two minutes long. I have an hour long one that drops on the weekend. I'm the host of Apologetics Live. If you want to join there, have any theological questions, apologetics questions, uh, you can go to apologeticslive.com on Thursday nights, 8 to 10 Eastern time. I also host or co-host the uh, So You Want to Be a Podcaster, and I am also the executive director of the Christian Podcast Community. So tonight's topic is... Uh, Christian liberty, which I don't know, with this past week or so, we may end up discussing, you know, is it, do you have liberty to have, like, to say, let's hold off on when a celebrity claims he's a Christian. Is it okay to hold off before he becomes a um, worship leader? Because, <laughs> boy, did people get in trouble just for saying maybe that we should wait on that. That could be a Christian liberty issue, but I want to read uh, Romans 14, just to set the stage for us. This is what Paul talks about when it comes to uh, basically passing judgment on on others, um, dealing with things of food. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything— while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands and falls and will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Another passage just to set the stage for us is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is verses 23 to 30, and it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the grounds of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you. 
without raising a question of the grounds of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of of that which I gave thanks? And so the idea here is, you know, and some of you are probably very familiar with the text, right? You, you have meat that was offered to idols. It was in a sacrifice. And because of that, some people would, would say they just can't eat of that because they came out of the idolatry. And because of that, they felt it was sinful. It's against their own conscience. So in their own conscience, it would be a sin to partake of that. I, I do find the Corinthians passage so interesting for this reason. So many people think that given the choice of offending an unbeliever for the sake of sharing the gospel with them or offending a believer worrying about their conscience, most Christians seem to think that the gospel is more important than a brother or sister. And they would actually do the thing to offend the believer with the hopes of sharing the gospel with the unbeliever. And that text says that's backwards. We should be sharing the gospel, but we have more concern with our fellow brothers and sisters. So that kind of sets the stage for what we want to do in, and talk about a couple different topics. And we're going to disagree, I'm sure, on, on some, some topics of liberty, especially when it comes to, you know, I'm sure things with music. Jamal and I are probably going to disagree. <laughs> but no, but we're, we're going we're gonna to have some disagreements, uh, but I think it's good to be able to, to have disagreements and talk through them. So what, what are your, for you guys, just open it up. What are your thoughts when it comes to Christian liberty? Just in general, before we get to some specific topics. Uh, just off of what I've seen in the text, uh, um, it just things are clear is that we're looking at, like you said earlier, what builds up our neighbor. Um, so like all things are lawful, but all things build up. It's, it seems to be the focus is whatever edifies someone. And I know a lot of times when we, take, when we talk about liberty, it's uh, mostly thinking about ourselves, um, self-centeredness in a way, not all the time, you know. Um, but that's, you know, that's what I try to look at when we're discussing or when I'm discussing the topics with concerning liberty, whether it be like whether smoking a um, cigar or uh, drinking a beer or any kind of stuff like that. Is it edifying? How is it edifying and all that kind of stuff like that? Um, they, I think that's where the text is driving at as far as how we honor the Lord in what we do. Anyone else have any general comments? Yeah, I think the other thing that we can take away specifically from the Corinthian passage is the idea of our conscience sake. Um, for one individual, if it's not contrary to God's word, clearly, um, as Jamal was kind of touching on, there is smoking of something or participating in anything tobacco related or alcoholic related. Uh, and there's other uh, liberties that we could discuss, you know, music choices, even movie choices uh, and different things of that nature. Um, a lot of times the issue is when it becomes our conscience. So for one individual, 
it could be sinful for another, it may not be, if it's not clearly spelled out in Scripture itself. So let's let's deal with some things that, uh, well, Jamal already mentioned some, um, smoking cigars and drinking a beer. So we could start with those. So is it is it a sin to to drink alcohol? Am I am I digitized? Am I sounding okay? Am I heard you okay? Okay, I was hearing something on my end. Maybe it's just, but. So what do you guys think? And and for some, like I, I typically don't take a position publicly on whether I think people should drink alcohol just publicly. The reason I do that is I don't want to cause people to stumble. Now, clearly, I think we're all going to agree that um, drunkenness would be a sin, right? We'd all agree there? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But some people, I... I I when I got saved, I was in a fundamentalist Baptist churches, and therefore they would say no, all alcohol would be wrong. Uh, I I, re- I remember hearing it preached, you know, that Jesus turned the water into wine, but that wasn't like wine. It was it was really just a um, uh, it was such a sl- low alcohol content that you can never get drunk off it. And I was always like, okay, then what do you do when scripture talks about you know, the, the hard, you know, the, the, the stuff that gets people drunk? I mean, obviously people were getting drunk off something, but uh, so what, what are different thoughts that you guys have? And I'm going to throw a, a catch to you as well. If, if drinking is okay within Christianity, if it's not, you know, if Christians can drink, would you advise or think it's wise to do it in a Lord's Supper in communion? I've only seen that once, but I'll throw that as a caveat. I think that's a good um, that's a good question as far as it being incorporated in the Lord's Supper. Um, I think that would depend on. Um, I think that would cause for elders to really know their congregation to know who's who's there. Um, even though it's controlled because everyone gets one, you know, um, but. Um, Drinking, I've heard this um, this understanding from um, is he's a street preacher and street evangelist Andy um, Andy not not Maneo I don't get him confused um, but anyway he's an older gentleman and his pastor did a video on this uh, particular topic and his argument was which I've been thinking about it for a while is when is the line drawn, the line drawn when, between drunkenness or soberness? Like the Bible calls us to be sober-minded. So where's the line drawn between being sober and not sober? And uh, whether someone, it may be different from different people, you know, um, whether one drink of beer may be it for one person, whereas it may take two, you know, just given one. So where's the line drawn is that um, do we judge soberness by the fact that we're not acting crazy or it makes us feel a little um, chill? Is any kind of altering of the state of our mind or any, anything like that? Is, is that where we draw the line with soberness? And I think a lot of those uh, factors go in the hand of discussing this. Well, for the one that would say that alcohol consumption is permissible, then I would say that it would even go a step farther than that and saying um, it's drunkenness when you have a dependence on that, even though you're not over using in the moment of. So, for example, 
if drinking is okay, what about that individual that has to have that glass of bourbon or that glass of whiskey or that glass of wine every night to be able to cut the the coldness and the, the difficulty of life? Um, I think that's questionable even at that point, if that's the stance mm-hmm. one takes. Um, mm-hmm. curious to if, I'm curious to if anybody that's on here now thinks that drinking alcohol would be sinful or not. So, okay. Me personally, I don't think drinking alcohol in and of itself is sinful. Yeah, I would. I'd agree. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think drinking alcohol in it, itself is sinful. But you bring up a good point. I think when people feel they have to, I think Jamal, you said take the edge off. It, right. If you're, you know, I I grew up in a Jewish home. We you know we would have wine regularly with meals. It wasn't a big deal. Um. My brother is a, a wine collector. He's not saved. When he puts out a bottle of wine for Thanksgiving, it's a wine you're not going to be able to taste anywhere else. You know, if my kids wanted to have a sip, I I was like, okay, what? A, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but now, if I'm in a restaurant, even if I think drinking alcohol is okay, if I'm in a restaurant, I wouldn't do that publicly. I wouldn't. If I have other believers over, especially ones I don't know well. I don't know if this would cause them to stumble. I don't, I, I would say, no, we shouldn't do it. Mm. And see, even with me, even with believing that um, in and of itself is not sinful. I used to, when I used to drink alcohol in the back then, I would do it a lot. And not, not, a, not a whole lot, but when I would do it, it was, it would, it would be too, Chill, chill, so I can chill. And if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm nervous, if I'm around people I don't really know, and I'm trying to be sociable, I would drink a couple glasses in order so I can be sociable. And so then I realized I'm actually doing this. I feel like I need this in order to get along with people or talk with people I don't know and all that stuff. And that would make me feel uncomfortable coming to this point here is like, I won't drink of that, you know. Uh, but if I did feel like I need to drink something in order to get along with people or to start conversation, to talk and, and to be cordial, so to speak, then I feel like that would be sinful because I'm I'm putting trust in something and, and not the Lord. You know, I'm not trusting the Lord to help me to love my neighbor, you know, so to speak. And so, um, yeah, I think that's where a serious line is drawn at that point, uh, dependency upon um, anything else outside of God. I don't think that alcohol in and of itself is sinful, but it's an academic topic for me because I don't drink. I've never liked the stuff so of any type. So I stay away from it personally and always, um, but not for necessarily for spiritual reasons. I just don't like the stuff. So it's an academic topic for me. And I go to a church that doesn't like it. So mm-hmm. I just will just avoid it. Cool. Yeah. And for me, I agree that, I, I don't believe that alcohol is a sin to drink, but getting drunk would be. Yes. Um, but yeah, I personally don't drink either. Um, and mainly it's because my husband doesn't and he doesn't for personal reasons. And so we just avoid alcohol altogether. Um because I don't want, you know, if I were to take a drink or anything, I don't want to ha- cause my husband to stumble. So um, that's where we're at. But um, 
I also wanted to mention, too, that years ago, um, I was the administrative assistant at a church, and part of my employment there was um, I had to sign a statement that I would not drink alcohol. Um, and, you know, I understand that from not wanting anybody in the congregation to stumble if they ever were to see me drinking or anything like that. So um, just an interesting little side note on there. See, see, you know, I have two things that I think of. I, I remember my my first pastor had moved into a new home. The previous owners just, as a, as a gift to him, they left a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator. And he and I were so busy, we're trying to move him while while doing everything else with the church. And I, he and I were kind of moving in stages and we took everything in a cooler from his one refrigerator. We brought it over to the new house and he just shoved everything in. And that bottle went to the back of the refrigerator and stayed there for years. And he called me up because we had to go down to the police and pick up someone from the church. A guy, one of the guys in the church got arrested, um, he basically got himself drunk and was chasing a train naked. <laughs> and so he had no ID on him. And the only thing he could remember was the church phone number. <laughs> so <laughs> the pastor called wow. me and we went down to the station to pick him up. <laughs> and so the interesting thing though, is when, when the pastor asked him, what were you doing? He says, well, it's, you know, since it's okay for you to drink it, I figured it was okay for me to drink. And, and the pastor's like, what makes you, like, I haven't had a drink since I got saved. What makes you think it's okay? Well, we had a Bible study at the pastor's house. He went in the refrigerator to get milk for his coffee. And he <laughs> saw that bottle and concluded that the pastor must drink and therefore it's okay for him to drink, but he couldn't control himself with the drinking. And it allowed him to make that excuse. My pastor, I always remember this. He went to get, I mean, out of his way to make sure that he got rid of that bottle and no one saw. He poured it He poured it out, put it in a bag, didn't want to leave it in his own garbage can. He took it to the dump and and dropped it off there so that wow. it, and it really helped me understand how easy it is for people to jump to a conclusion and mm-hmm. you can cause someone to stumble without even realizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I've always, that's always been something that was impressed upon me. And then, then I had this, I was speaking at a church uh, in Ohio and it was the first time that they served alcohol. They served wine, real wine during the communion. And I, I'll throw this out to see, since we're talking on this topic, what you guys thoughts are were in this one. But so here, you know, when you go to communion, you have those little small cups that are, you know, that look like you know, like, I don't know, maybe have like a couple of teaspoons of grape juice that they hold. Yeah. They had grape juice that was in the small cups, small communion cups. And then they had glasses that they filled. I mean, filled probably had what, you know, like, you know, two, like two glasses of wine in the one glass, you know, it's like the, the, where it's like half a bottle of wine per glass. Hmm. And it made me, I just got done preaching and now they have the, the Lord's Supper and they brought this out and I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable one because I, I didn't expect it. It was the first time ever seeing alcohol, real alcohol being used in, in a communion service. The other thing that really kind of set me off was 
I'm having this little thimble cup of grape juice, and I'm watching the the pastor hold up a full glass of wine because they you'd, they'd each pour it themselves, and and each of these peak guys would pour like a full a full thing, and he just gulped the whole thing down. Oh my god! In front of the congregation, like let let's do this in remembrance of him, and I'm just like, so what? What are your thoughts on that? Wise, unwise, good to do. Sinful, not sinful. I think to have wine in your communion, you would have to have close table as a congregation. So you would have to only allow members of that church to participate in communion. And even then, I think, as you kind of just alluded to, you'd have to have both options. Um, Now, maybe not have you know, a, a wine glass for those with wine and thimbles with those with grape juices. But, you know, uh, I think you have to, and then even that, it, it would take months on months if you participate regularly in communion to explain why you're doing this before you do it. And then explaining that there is two options and why some should abstain and all of that. And so that's where my thing would lie is, is it that important? of a aspect to add the wine to it in the case of becoming a stumbling block for some. Yeah, man, my, uh, also that too is, is interesting because you think about uh, when Jesus and the disciples had the Lord's supper, it was a supper. They sat down, they ate, they, they talked, they sat for a while, you know, whereas you have this moment in your service where you are taking this small moment to drink this and to eat this bread. And so to take a big glass like that and to chug it, I think that's unwise. Um, you know, I, I feel like you could just have a you know, just small portion because you're doing a quick, you know, just a, a small you know sip and then you're, you're still taking part of the wine and the bread, you know, but to do the go, I think that was just, that's overkill because you, you, you shouldn't drink wine like that anyway, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, and I, I agree that it should be closed table. It should be members of the church. And also it should bring about accountability. Like if there are brothers in the church who know there are other members who have struggled with this, you know, Hey, you know, I know you're, you're a brother. You need to opt for the juice, you know? Um, even if somebody says, Hey, I'm okay. You know, it's, it's, it's all kind of like, I think like what James said, like it may take months to really break down like why we're doing this. And so therefore people will think responsibly. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see a, a problem with um, them incorporating real wine in the service. I, I've oftentimes wondered why some churches don't, like, you know, why we don't as a regular, but it's, you know, I can understand why given, you know, given our culture and how alcohol affects our culture and so on and so forth, I understand. Um, but to hear, to actually hear an example of someone actually doing it is, is, um, is encouragement. It was also kind of scary when you said this. They had these big old glasses, and they had the small little things for the juice. So that that was my only red flag. It's like, oh, why? Why would they do that? <laughs> well, I, th- I think. Uh, well, actually, Kristen or Eve, did you have anything you want to add into that? Um, well, I just would say along those lines. Um, we just recently moved in the last year, and so we were looking for a new church, and. Um, we did attend several different ones and um, when they would serve the Lord's supper, my husband would always ask them, you know, do you use 
wine or grape juice because he did not want to participate if it was going to be wine. So um, that's just um, something I would think would be unwise for churches to do just because you don't know everybody's situation. Yes, and now I, I'm actually going to disagree with, with uh, James and Jamal. I don't, I, you know, and I just, I just talked to a pastor this week that had a someone come visit the church, and that actually was a reason he separated. the 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 person actually came there was, and when it came to communion, because there wasn't the wine served, he he was like, I can't go to church here. He so he literally was going to make it an issue of separation. Now I never hear anybody argue for unleavened bread. I mean, you have to keep in mind, like Jamal was trying to explain the 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 setting, right? It was a Passover meal, right? <laughs> right. So you had unleavened bread. You know, I because I, I found funny that the the church I was in they had real wine, but they had a loaf of bread that everyone would take a piece of it and then pass the bread around. And I was like, mm, that wouldn't have been like if you're going to argue for the real wine, you have to argue for the bread. But I I just don't <clears throat> I don't think, in my opinion, right? I don't think churches should ever serve alcohol in front of people because again it sets the precedent where yes the pastor and the people that do it may have self-control and know that but even if it's closed if it and a closed i think you explained that james a closed communion is basically where it's just members of the church some closed communions, I think, will allow if they just serve to members of the church, but others can be watching. But even there, I mean, you have members of the church, you may not realize all their background and what, you know, I know one church that only has alcohol. And so, and they their argument was you had to take dominion over it. And then they had a guy who had a problem. He started drinking on his own because he started with communion and it spiraled down. So let me ask you this. If you'd say no church should ever do that, would you preface that by saying in the United States or would you just say that ah, worldwide? Good point. That was what I was going to bring up because it is cultural here in the United States to be very anti-alcohol and to have problems with alcohol. But there are other countries where alcohol is culturally served at every meal. It's not as big a deal. You don't get People don't drink to get drunk. They drink for social reasons or for because they can't trust the water. There's lots of reasons, you know, mm-hmm. why they drink um, mm-hmm. or would use wine. I, I think that culturally, the United States, Americans especially, seem to have problems with alcohol. But I don't know that that's true culturally across the world. Yeah, I think I think that's so. That's a good point. And, and I should preface that because in in the United States, there, the, you know, we don't need to. To, and we have such a variety of things we could substitute uh, in place of wine. We could trust the water for the most part. Uh, but I think, I think in, you know, in my mind, part of those passages I read earlier, um, you know, it's in the, in the Corinthians passage or, or in the Romans passage, if you're causing someone else to stumble, it's, and here's a, 1 Corinthians 8, 12 says this, Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother to stumble. So, 
I I think that in in churches where it's not culturally customary, right? Like I said, growing up Jewish, we would we would have it. It wasn't a big deal. It, it, you know, people didn't get drunk from it. We just in you know had it with with meals. And there are cultures where that is the case, and it's it's not it's not a big deal. If that culturally is the is the issue, if it's like that, then yeah, I think that that it it, it could be okay because you're not causing someone to sin against their conscience. I guess my whole thing is I don't want to do anything that would cause somebody to stumble based on that passage I just read out First Corinthians eight, right? Because if I cause it, and now the art, let me give the argument I hear back. Uh, I had someone who is arguing. Now, keep in mind the person that was making this argument believes that we have to take dominion over alcohol. He actually believes every Christian must drink alcohol, even if they have a problem with alcohol in their background, because they have to show they have dominion over it. And so, oh, wow. yeah, that, that's like, I'm like, okay, you got a totally different gospel when you're starting to say <laughs> that. Drinking like alcohol. He uses that's scripture a, to support that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's like that's that's like being okay to go to a strip club because you gotta over you gotta have the man over lust. I always said that I was waiting for him to make that argument <laughs> because I'm sure he was. I'm like, eventually he's gonna get there. But yeah, I mean, you're adding this now to the gospel. He he actually said it was a gospel issue, but his argument to me was you're always putting up pictures of of food of sushi and. I have a weight problem, so you're causing me to stumble. And it's it's not, you know, for those who who those who haven't watched Prescribed Truth, go to Prescribed Truth's YouTube page and look for woke look for this play the play uh, list, Woke Brother, and you'll know you'll get this reference. You have to go watch that. I don't want to just give an inside joke and not give you where to find it. But <laughs> go to Prescribed Truth. Go listen to Woke Brother, and you heard Jamal Bandy explain that you know he's 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 got this weight to him not because he stuffs his face, but because of racism. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is. I'm trying to tell people they don't want to listen. <laughs> it's a great parody. I'm being I'm being woke. But I mean, so is me putting pictures up of food on Facebook the same? As because my argument to him was he's putting up pictures of of beer on his Facebook every day, and I'm saying that that could cause someone to stumble in the area. He's saying, well, you putting up food can cause someone who's a glutton to stumble. Is that the same? What do you think? Well, we could apply it completely different because my podcast is all about watching secular media. I actually dealt with the First Corinthians eight passage in my book on how to watch. Uh, movies critically and from a Christian worldview, movie watching can be very much the same kind of thing or reading books or or anything that we partake of that's of the world. You can do it to excess and you can get in trouble and you can lead others astray by doing it. I, it is a matter of conscience, but I think at the same time you have to uh, apply some kind of reasonableness to it. I, you have to be reasonable about what you allow your weaker brother to infringe on your liberty, I guess, <laughs> which is the whole concept of this of this topic is we're talking about how far do you take Christian liberty. Um, you don't want to make it selfish where you're just doing whatever you want in the Lord. You have to be sensitive to your your fellow brothers and sisters 
and sensitive to the spirit telling you your own conscience when you've gone too far. And and I guess I'm also like thinking about what we read from the Romans passage is, I know like the, the contrast with um, Corinthians, when Paul is talking about, you know, if, if eating meat causes my brother to stumble, then I would never eat meat again. But in Romans, in the Romans passage is more or less like, okay, you know, why should I feel condemned for, you know, the liberty that I have, you know, let everyone do unto himself, you know? And so um, I wonder then if, Concerning like the alcohol, there was a topic we starting off with. If we were talking about the clothes setting earlier, we were just remembers, and then like you said, you you made a good point, uh, Andrew, dealing with like you may not know who in congregation may still be dealing with things because you know, I mean, not everybody is telling everybody everything. You know, they're not always doing that. So there may be a brother who's not saying, "Hey, I'm I'm struggling with alcohol this month," or "I've been really dealing with it." You know, and he still may partake and see everyone else drinking and use that as an excuse to drink. You know, it can happen. Um, but I wonder if this, we're talking about liberty, is it when you're to yourself? You know, is it is it only like when you're to yourself? Because I know we're dealing with how it affects our neighbor. And I think we all agree that if, it's, if we don't want to be um, the catalyst of someone stumbling, you know, I don't want to be um, me, sharing a, me sharing a drink at home and I have a brother over and he feels the need to feel like he can now get drunk. Um, but if I'm in the privacy of my home, you know, or, you know, I know we talk about church and the, the communion, but is it a privacy of the, of the church where we all have this understanding? Is Would it be sinful? I can understand, you know, the caveats here if, if somebody has a problem, but in of itself, like, would it be a wrong thing? Well, you definitely don't want to flaunt it. I mean, it's right, like, right. you know, somebody who's a weaker brother who has a problem with that. You're not going to uh, invite an alcoholic to the bar to get a drink. I mean, you, right. you have to you have to be conscious of your environment, your surroundings and the people that are around you and who would be affected by what you're doing. So I think what I would kind of curious of right now is to what brother and what sister are we accountable for? Hmm. Are we accountable for all brothers and sisters in Christ or those are part of our congregation? Because when you do look at Paul's letter to Romans or even the Corinthian church, they're quite specific to those congregations and what they're dealing with. I mean, for example, in the Corinthian church, what he's dealing with is pagan sacrifice in this temple uh, to false gods. And there was cheaper meat. And so you had the, ones that were less worth wealthy eating of it so that they could, because they could afford it. And um, so, but that's not what's going on in Romans. So is it contextual to our specific congregations that we're part of, or is it to all believers? Mm. Well, that sort of gets with like what Eve was just saying, because she was saying, okay, if you have someone that you know is an alcoholic, you don't bring them to the bar. But I'm thinking, what if you don't know the persons? And I, like, this is the reason I, I say we shouldn't be serving wine and communion because I don't know who's struggling with it, and I'd rather not be the stumbling block. It, it is interesting you bring up the Corinthians passage, First uh, Corinthians ten, because he says, hey, if you're going to go eat, like, don't even don't even raise the question. Don't ask where the meat's from because it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. if it's if if no one knows, then fine. It's all to the Lord. But once the person knows that it was offered unto idols and they struggle with it, now it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because it's for the conscience of the individual that's bringing it up is what Paul's making the point of there. And so, but I think that's what's so hard about this topic and even some of the other ones that are kind of falling under Christian liberty is because so often people are not really sharing with what their struggles are in this area. And so they're not telling us, you know, I deal with alcoholism or I deal with being addicted to um, tobacco or uh, watching things that aren't um, necessarily edifying or listening to music that's edifying. And so they're not necessarily coming out and saying it. So I think that's what the hard aspect of this conversation. Well, yeah, I think, I think what you end up seeing though is to what level are we accountable to our fellow brothers and sisters? Right. Cause otherwise we're all, you know, if we if we try to say we're not going to make anybody stumble ever, I mean, we, in America, you can't do anything. Everyone's offended by everything. Jamal's offended that I'm white. So. <laughs> Pasty. 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 Pasty white. I'm not just white. I'm pasty white. Well, I mean, that definitely goes into, you know, there's a lot of aspects to this because your, your original question was talking about posting things online and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. in the society that we live in now that's comparing one another in a really egotistical, you know, who's to say that or anything we put on Instagram or Twitter of our vacations or families or anything of that nature isn't causing someone to sin in some capacity or another. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking like, so you get a new believer come into the church. That's a super liberal. I mean, they, they just, they were of the world. Everything you do could offend them. So how do we, how do we then apply Christian liberty? Like if we're saying if, if the rule always is you, you, Try not to cause them to stumble. And you got someone that, I mean, there's, there are people who are offended. I had a woman get upset with me just a couple of weeks ago because I opened a door to the convenience store for her to hold it open for. Her. And she she told me she was offended at that. She's like, I could do this myself. And I'm like, I'm just trying to be polite. Like, you know, so now, so how, like, now what? I got to not open doors, right? <laughs> but then someone may be offended if I don't open the door. How do you decide? <laughs> And a question I'm thinking about as you're saying that, Andrew, is um, it's something James said as well, is in in, the, in in Romans and Corinthians, we have these situations here. In, in Corinthians, we have an issue with someone stumbling whether or not they're going to fall into idolatry mm-hmm. because you have meat sacrificed to idols. And so if they if they see you eating of this meat and they didn't know it's sacrificed to idols, it may make them think it's okay to worship this idol. You know, eat and eat and worship, because eating the meat in of itself isn't the sin. It's the fact that it was sacrificed to an idol. But then, in the Romans passage, you have someone who's offended at liberty. Like you know, you know, one person thinks it's okay to eat meat; other person is a vegetarian. But why would you judge the one who eats and doesn't eat? So that one to be offended at what you do versus somebody who actually stumbled into sin. And so I wonder if, and I'm wondering when it comes to liberty, is are we, are we, should we be focused at the one who's offended at our liberty or should we, or we should be concerned with the one who stumbles because of the liberty? Yeah. I think it's a matter of sin. Yeah. I would think it's a matter of who's the weaker brother, because if we go on the topic of what offends people, I think that that is a completely different topic. The Christian liberty and the offense of a weaker brother, this is somebody who you could lead away from the gospel or lead astray, uh, mm-hmm. into a, a life that that 
puts God below other things. And so the whole edifying and building up of our fellow Christians is uh, not providing things that would cause them to uh, go down a false path in, in relation to their walk with the Lord. We don't want to lead them down a false path. And so I don't think you'd take take it as to the extreme of, oh, that offends somebody, so I'm never going to do that. It's more of being able to sit down and disciple somebody and say, hey, you know, if this if this is a serious problem with your walk with the Lord, seeing me do this, then I will do away with that habit while I am being a disciple or discipling you and your walk with the Lord, because I know that that's a stumbling block for you. So I think it's more of a personal uh, commitment to the believers that we are personally discipling and leading uh, on the path of righteousness towards Christ. Uh, I don't think it can be a general thing in that. It's just anybody who might out there might be offended by what we're doing. We could be easily become very legalistic in that aspect where we just start setting a bunch of rules that we're following and then we're following rules and we're showing other people to follow rules instead of following Christ and the consciences that the Holy Spirit gives us working in our lives. And the whole point of being a believer is not following rules, but being sensitive to the spirit and following the truth of scripture and discipling weaker brothers and sisters has to be able to show them um, the difference between following a rule and following Mm. your conscience uh, as prompted by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think that's right on uh, with that idea because I think of my, since we're specifically talking about alcohol, I think of the area I'm in. So I'm probably, can any of you say that you live in a dry town or do you even know what a dry town is? I know know what a dry town is, but I'm not in one. Yeah. I went to college. Uh, so I mean, maybe maybe if I went up to Utah, that's probably a dry I state. Say, so I, I don't know. So I said I'm it's humid here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, and I have. There's so many churches in my general area that they have a church covenant that says that you, that you will abstain from the use or the sale of of any alcohol, and some of them will even say tobacco consumption. Um. And so it's quite interesting. Um, and I have a, a good friend of mine that he's, he's a minister and he, you know, he, he doesn't, he thinks it's a matter of conscience and he had no issue participating in drinking of alcohol. And um, like Jamal was getting at earlier, he did in the prophecy's home and he took a pastorate of a church and that was their understanding. That was the covenant that this church had. Um, and I think he was a great example of how we handle a situation like that. And whenever he joined that church and started pastoring that church, he gave up his liberty for the sake of his brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, but in this area, it's such a big thing. And I think like Eve was uh, alluding to there is that in this area it's taking so legalistic and it's taken to the far, far extreme. Um, and that's why I mean, I know. Anyway, I'm not going to go into all that. <laughs> well, well I th- no, I think Eve Eve really hit the nail on the head of what I wanted to get to before the show ended, which is <clears throat> with any of the issues of Christian liberty, I think it's very easy to get into legalism, and that's when we just have that checklist: you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, or you do this, you do this, you do this. Um, like I'm being a little bit more maybe legalistic by saying I wouldn't. I don't think it's wise in America to have 
alcohol in the Lord's Supper. Um, but I'm saying if someone's going to do it in their own home, and you know, I'm going to see a difference there. But because at church and a service, I just think that's got to be that that's public. It's for for all. But Eve, I think, hit on the nail on the head with the point that it's really about our heart attitude. I think that's what you see in both those passages, the Romans and the first and the first Corinthians. Mm-hmm. It's our attitude toward our brother, not the lost person we want to evangelize, but the heart attitude we have toward our fellow brother or sister that we we have concern for them. Or can we accidentally cause someone to stumble? Sure. Mm-hmm. But our heart attitude isn't to try to cause them to stumble. I mean, there are people that are like, you know, just man up, just, you know, you got to mature. You got to, you know, it's like, well, no, um, we, we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> right. The Bible tells us whatever's not done out of faith is sin. And so if they're, if they're not doing it in faith, you know, the manning up ain't going to help them. Um, it, and, and it's funny you said that, Andrew, about the, about the um, not, not the lost person we're trying to evangelize, but our brother, because it's interesting. I brought this up to you before. And um, when we talked about a while ago, there's a brother, there is a Christian brother. I know we're not, I know we're talking about alcohol, but this still goes on the Liberty. Um, his brother was making a big deal about celebrating Christmas and, um, you know, saying it was rooted in paganism as far as the symbolism with the trees and all that stuff like that. And I know you too much don't worry about it, Andrew and all that, but like, it's interesting because he gets offended at it. And I remember say, telling him when we have a conversation about it, I was like, this, he, he was like, people don't come to church. Like there are, um, uh, in an African-American context, there are black people who don't come to ch- Christian churches because they say, well, you know, you're not woken for one is consciousness and then you're celebrating paganism. So therefore they keep them from even coming to your churches. And I was like, well, this, like me celebrating Christmas and thinking about it and seeing that liberty as far as that concern is not about them. You know, now if, my, if I got a brother in Christ who is struggling for some reason, he sees my Christmas tree and feels like he wants to worship and uh, a God that had nothing to do with the Christmas tree, then there's an, there's an issue there. And there's a brother in Christ who's stumbling there, but I don't I don't see that play out. You know, and um, this been this I was actually excited when we was going to do this podcast because this conversation isn't going to come up again. Seeing as the holidays rolling around and everything else, and um, and we're going to be discussing more about liberty, our liberty. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm just I'm gonna I want to give some context of why I'm saying this, but I wanted to just throw it out again just for clarity. So when it comes to our Christian liberty, where um, are we should be? I know we talk about we're not we as focused on those who are offended versus our brother in Christ, but what about the one who we are trying to evangelize? Like, you know, do we discuss liberty? Do we even go there? Do we even worry about that at all concerning those who are evangelizing versus our already brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ? I think it depends on the context of who you're trying to evangelize. For example, if you're trying to share the gospel with somebody that. Um, for the sake of the conversation we've been having, that's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the best way of sharing the gospel with him is probably not sitting beside him on the bar stool enjoying your your beer. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I think that just being intelligent with our context of how we share the gospel with somebody, I think that's important in that Um and so it depends on that individual and your relationship to them. I, mean, I think that's a big part of it. 
And that'll make sense because once you evangelize that brother by God's grace, if the Lord saves him or her, then that you'll be abstaining from it anyway for mm-hmm. the sake of not wanting them to stumble. Exactly. Because well, if you do your job as a follower of Christ, you're going to take that individual and teach them how to follow Christ and disciple them. And so you're going to have to pull away from whatever that is that was their issue anyway. Mm-hmm. See, I used to get the reverse uh, because I grew up Jewish. My wife grew up nothing. We never had a Christmas tree. And I'd, I'd have people in church that would come over to my house and be like, you need a Christmas tree. And I always told people, I said, if you can give me one reason why I need a Christmas tree, other than the fact that you grew up with one, I'll get one. <laughs> and I'd just watch person after person go, uh, yeah, because they thought I needed a Christmas tree because they grew up with one. I'm like, I think you need a menorah. <laughs> <laughs> you need a menorah in your house <laughs> my wife and i we've been married six years and um we're not big that aspect of christmas people and so um i think out of the six years we've been married we've put up a tree twice and last year was one of them just for the simple fact that my niece was going to be there and hers she's two and so you know and it's something they do so we did it for her um and so and we don't necessarily do that Christian liberty or anything of that reason. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I did get a Christmas tree just because my kids wanted it. But now that they're out of the house, I, if they don't come visit, it won't go up. Kristen, you've been really quiet. What are your thoughts? You celebrate Christmas? You're one of those uh, people. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you put um, up Christmas trees and candles? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's been an interesting discussion, and yeah, I've been thinking about, um, like you were talking about, the difference between, um, you know, practicing our Christian liberty or not with a believer versus unbeliever. Um, in in the regard of the unbeliever, I would say just so that you are making sure that. Um, not only our personal reputation, but the reputation of Christ is not, um, you know, taken through the mud and uh, destroyed for them. So that would be my thought. I mean, I guess, I guess the thing with, with, which, I mean, we, Jamal mentioned cigars, we mentioned Christmas, we mentioned alcohol, we could, and we'll probably mention a bunch more, but it ultimately, I think it comes down to our attitude, right? It's, I mean, to me, it mm-hmm. seems like it's, are we seeking to honor God? Are we seeking to love our brothers? Are we seeking to not put a stumbling block? Um, not a bunch of dudes. I mean, like I had, uh, you know, granted you guys probably didn't grow up in fundamentalist churches. I remember a guy who came in my home and saw that I had a TV and basically said I wasn't saved because of a TV. The um, one-eyed devil. Yeah, well, it's it basically it was it's he had a checklist, right? And so mm-hmm. to be a Christian, you have this, this, this. And you know, you you don't watch movies or certain movies. You don't. Well, in his case, it was any movie. Probably, um, I don't know what he would do with like some of the Christian movies that are come out. But you know, just having a TV was enough. And so I think I think people set up these these rules because it's easier to it's easier to follow rules. I mean, if liberality. And legalism are easy. They require no thinking, right? Legalism, it's a checklist. You either do this or you don't do this. 
you don't have to think about liberality. Everything goes, you do whatever you want. But the truth is kind of in the middle where I think we struggle. That's why it's, we talk about Christian liberty. We, we struggle over, can I do this? Is it wise to do this? And there's, you know, I remember my pastor gave like a 14 point checklist when, when it comes to Christian liberty, I should have pulled that out for this discussion, but there were things you ask, um, you know, Jamal, you asked about, you know, you, you mentioned the cigars and that was one of the examples we'd give is smoking cigarettes. Is it, is it a sin? You know, and he would go, th- we'd go through this list. He'd always do this with folks that they see. Okay. Does it glorify God? That was one of the things. Does it cause my brother to stumble? You know, he just had all these scripture verses that go along with these things, but things for us to ask ourselves, because I think the, I think the biggest struggle with the issues that we talk about when it comes to Christian liberty is there's some people who, not all people, some people who do these things because they, they want to satisfy their flesh and they want to say, well, I'm under grace. What do you guys think? Do you think that's an accurate statement? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to be representing Christ, not representing the world. So if your habits that you are partaking in is to, and you claim, quote unquote, that it's Christian liberty, but it's making you look more like the world than like Christ, then maybe going doing it for the wrong reason not because you can because it's liberty under christ but because you didn't want to give it up that aspect of the world that you uh enjoy so much and it becomes an idol in your life without you even realizing it well i think it goes to the similar extent of what we see in the corinthian churches the whole thing was idol worship and so often we may not think of it in the same light of it, but before we knew Christ, we worshiped something. And right. for some, it could be alcohol for some, it could be tobacco for some, it could be movies or whatever the case may be, whatever form of Liberty we're going to put into that category. And so we could be holding on to idols in our lives as we try to hold on to these aspects of our lives. I don't think that's always the case with somebody holding on to liberties. Um, like I know plenty of brothers in Christ that participate in alcohol and tobacco that didn't do it before they knew Jesus and didn't even do it before a certain point in their lives. And so I don't think that's always the case, but I think it could be the case. Well, let's, let's do, let's do a topic that Eve will be, uh, perfectly set up for. What about movies? What can, are there, some people would say you can't watch any R rated movies. Can we say that, you know, like I know, um, uh, you know, Todd Friel won't watch an R-rated movie. What do you do when you have Passion of the Christ? Do you go watch that? I think he didn't, <laughs> even though he knows, you know, why they gave it an R-rated. But, um, you know, do can you watch R-rated movies? Or is that something that's just sinful and of the world? And I think I'm teeing this one up more for Eve because I think she has a podcast on Things like movies or something. Movies like or something. Like, are you just watching? <laughs> Before she jumps into it, I'll say this. I think there's a lot of Christian movies we shouldn't see. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, that, you, can, you can't just drop that bombshell and walk away. <laughs> so which which Christian movies shouldn't we see? <laughs> well, um, well, one, a lot of them are just terrible. I'm just going to throw out my opinion there. Um not produced well, bad acting. I think we've seen an uptake in that in the last few years. But there is some. I mean, if you get on 
um, Netflix and things of that nature and look at some of the Christian movies that they have on there. There's some that are just theologically unsound and quite dangerous in a lot of ways. And so I think even things that are portrayed as good, we should be on a watch for. Mm. We don't typically uh, review Christian movies. We've had requests for that on occasion. We've done one or two in the past. Uh, But the whole point of our podcast is to point out, number one, where things are leading you astray from Christ, and number two, how Christ is represented in things even when it the people making the movie definitely did not have the intention of portraying Christ. Uh, it does happen, mm. believe it or not. You can can usually, uh, he is the creator and he's, he's present in everybody even when they are denying he exists. But it's um, on the topic of what movies you should watch and rated R. I personally do not go to see rated R movies, uh, but my reason for it is not necessarily because rated R is like this line you cross and it's suddenly sin. It's more of a, of a market thing. It's like, I am not going to give them money for their rated R movie because that encourages them to make more rated R movies. And I would prefer to use my, my vote in the marketplace uh, to vote for things that are more family friendly. So I won't pay them to watch a rated R movie. Now, would you go see, say, Passion of the Christ? I did not go see Passion of the Christ. I did eventually see it, but I did not pay to see it. Ah, okay. See, now, if you really want to be, if you want to be Jewish like me, you go to your local library and get them all for free if you want to watch a movie. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Okay. In light of that, let me ask this. Would you say that that would fall into the modern ratings or the ratings in which the movie was released? And what I mean by that, for example, like Jaws. Jaws is now rated PG, if you look it up. And But when it was released, it was rated R. Really? Uh, no, yeah. And you have that. to take into consideration the rating systems are arbit- completely arbitrary here in the U.S. A movie that's rated R here could be PG-13 in Canada. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, the reason I bring up the the Passion of the Christ is because it was they made it rated R because they wanted less people to see it, right? That was their reason. So it was like, oh yeah, there's violence, but there wasn't. I mean, so it is somewhat arbitrary. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know this, but I would put it on the rating is as far as what it, the, the what it contains. You know, what is the um, the issues going on? Um, and like we'll talk about with alcohol, you know, what do you struggle with? Um, you struggle with rage, anger a lot, then you probably shouldn't be watching anything dealing with a lot of murder. Um, you know, are you struggling with lust? You should be watching out for nudity, you know. Um, so it, being mindful of those things, because most times when they do give a rating, they do let you know what is, you know, being portrayed in the movie. Um, and even like you mentioned with the Passion of Christ, even though it is violence, you know, it ain't like it's, it ain't like Scarface violence, you know, and so it's um it's different. And so I don't know. That's that's my my thought on that. As far as you know, what are you personally dealing with? And you know, Jamal, you I would watching. I would completely agree with you on that because uh, when we first started our podcast, we had an entire episode we did on where we draw the line, and that was all 
um, my current co-host at the time, Daniel Lewis and I, we both had different things that we would draw the line on uh, based on what we struggle with spiritually. So you have to be aware of where your struggles are and be conscious of that. You're not feeding those struggles. I think the other side of that though, is this is one, in my opinion, that's big on watching out for our brothers and sisters in mm-hmm. Christ. Because it's easy to throw on a movie or a TV show, for that matter, um, and be watching something that we are perfectly fine with, that it may not be good for our brother or sister in Christ. All right. Because sometimes we may get used to something and think that's just in the background or in the backdrop of the, the room or whatever the case may be, but it may not be beneficial for them. Kristen, what do you think here? You're, you're like the quiet one of, of the group here. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I agree with what Jamal said. Um, I think it depends on what you're struggling with um, and try to research the show or the movie first and figure out, uh, why it's rated, what it's rated, and also, um, yeah, just your personal, um, your line, where it's at. Um, like, for example, um, we don't watch much that isn't, I mean, yeah, that is any worse than PG-13, but, um, like, if there's too much swearing or even just saying, oh, my G-O-D, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's taking the Lord's name in vain and it deeply offends me. Like I physically feel like ill almost sometimes from hearing things like that. And I just, I can't do it. So that's my line, you know? <laughs> so I just think that's sort of a personal thing, but also then to be aware of who's surrounding you. Like we have three teenage daughters. And so we're in the phase right now of, of monitoring everything that they're watching and taking in and critically thinking about everything. So, um, yeah. And you know, what, with what Jamal said, I, I remember my first pastor, I mean, it is going back like 30 years now. Um, I used to watch a lot of TVs. I used to, I used to be, cause that's all I did. I used to just sit and watch movies and I'd re rewatch them. And, and I remember he came over my apartment and I was talking to him and the TV was on and I was, it was playing a movie tango and cash. If any of you know that the history of that one. And I'm, I'm sitting there telling him that I'm struggling with like with revenge. Like when people do wrong to me, I want to get revenge and he just looked at me, he looked over at the TV, pointed to the TV and said, where do you think he might be getting that from? <laughs> and the whole theory of Tango and Cash is these two guys that get everyone back. And I'm like, boy, almost all the movies I watch are like action movies where you know, the, 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 there's a revenge theme to it. I'm like, oh, yeah. And that's what really got me to go, maybe I shouldn't be watching these things. <laughs> like It may not be the best for me. Uh, but... But let me throw this out as a, as a discussion, see where you guys, since we kind of all agree on that, maybe there will be disagreement here. Uh, one, of the, one of the Christian movies that they did review on Are You Just Watching um, is War Room. And I, had a, I did not like War Room, and I haven't liked anything that they've done since War Room, because, not because of the content, but the actors themselves, who they played. 
because this is a you know Christian film, and they're bringing in people who would be heretics and who you know word of faith people. You have um, you have well, Beth Moore wouldn't be word of faith yet. She's kind of on that path, I think. But you have Beth Moore's been in their movies. You have uh, was it Priscilla Shriver has been in their movies. Um, so they're trying to get people that have a platform, but some of them are in a platform that I don't think we'd say is Orthodox Christianity when you're getting people that were to faith. What do you think about that? Is is with is it wrong? I, I take the position I won't go watch my favorite movie of all time is Fireproof, done by the Kendrick brothers, but I won't watch anything else now that they put out because they're starting to bring people who are who I wouldn't say are in the faith as the actors. Hmm. I, would like get, I would like to hear some thoughts on that. I, me personally, I don't know if I would, if I would be as concerned with the, um, the actors as far as, as, as far as what they're portraying. Um, yeah. Cause I, like something James said earlier, it's like you have some, um, some Christian television shows or Christian movies that aren't sound. You know, and so it's like, you know, so is the content sound? You have that, you know, the actors who are made who, who aren't sound, but is the content itself sound? Well, see, it then it's like a contradiction. It's like you have them doing something that isn't. Yeah, well, let me let me specify so so I'm clear with it. So because my my issue is not that it's just. I mean, they can have an unsaved actor. I mean, uh, Living Waters, Ray Comfort, uh, they they put a movie together, Audacity. And they did not have believers. They had professional actors. They weren't believers, but they were sharing the gospel with those people all the time. Would I still watch that? Well, yeah. I guess the issue I have with what the Kendrick brothers are doing now is they have people who are word of faith, and they're bringing them in to be actors or actresses because they have a platform in, you know, and it's it's because of the platform that they're becoming the actor or actress. And I think what it does is it, it, blurs the line for Christians to say, oh, you know, I like this person because she played this in this movie. I'm going to go check out what Priscilla Schreiber, you know, is, is in, you know, her ministry and find out more about her scene. And that's where I, I, I guess, we, as like Eve was saying, I don't want to give my money to support that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. then promote, uh, promote what heresy yeah, to promote that, doing. that what I would think of as heresy. Yeah. And, Kind of like very similar to this idea, and I know this is getting into a different conversation, but much like you know, listening to music from Hillsong or some of these other guys that are questionable in what they're putting out, they may release something that's decent and good, but in supporting one of their songs or something of that nature, you're supporting their entire ministry and what they're doing as a whole. Kind of like that, you're afraid that it's added more to their platform, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and I mean, I I was going to bring up the music after we after this, <laughs> so you just segued there. But yeah, I mean, I have the same thing. I won't. I don't want to sing Hillsong because people. I mean, even if they have a couple of good songs, it's not the good ones that I'm concerned about. It's all the ones that are. It's it's what they teach, and people go and follow them and start to, you know. To look up, oh, look out Hillsong, and then get into all that stuff. Yeah, so basically, like giving validity to what they're doing, and you know, I get, I understand that completely. I, I would say that I would be more concerned about it when it comes to music than I would the movie itself. I do get what you're saying in that, but I, I would be more concerned with music, mainly because 
and it may just be the way I watch movies, but I don't get caught up on who's acting as what. I'm more focused on the storyline or the, the specific thing going on in the movie itself rather than who's acting that character. So, Okay, then, yeah, then James, let me ask you, do you, do you, would you have the same position with Hillsong? As in if Hillsong was on a movie? Well, if there's Hill, well, either in a movie or if like someone was to, to want to come to your church and they want to do a solo and it's a Hillsong song, even though that one's decent. Hmm. <laughs> well, we're still getting into the that's we're still getting into the music side of it though. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm more concerned about the music than I would be about the the movie itself, like movies in general. But it's because of that's more of a on the I'm more on the nose on when it comes to the music than I am the movies. My personality. So. Jamal, we, we got into music. Jamal's getting serious. The hat came off. Hat, hat the hair's off now. The hair's coming out. <laughs> I got hat hair now. <laughs> yeah, I promise you, it's not worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the reason I just don't wear a hat. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. That's like the, with the um. See, when you brought up war room. I wasn't I wasn't privy to who the actors were as far as um, what they like as far as people who were the faith and all that stuff. I I didn't have any idea, and so you brought it up. So now like I kind of want to go and and see like who know who they are because I, I look look them up because I've never heard of them. Well, see that's because um, Justin Peters put out a uh, article about it, <laughs> so I knew I knew who was in it. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's interesting and. Um, but yeah, I'm with. The, I guess I'm also with the music as well. Like there's a so I know we segwayed into music or we're segwaying into music, and so like there's a um, a Christian. Well, he used to be a Christian a rap artist named Jay Givens, and um, he recently uh, came out as being homosexual, and um, and he's still doing music. He's still doing music, but like he had older music, and this has been a debate that I think I had in the end up having last year and I was still the jury's still out on as far as my thoughts on it like when he was when we knew when we believed that he was in the faith and he was um, he was under uh, Humble Beast the record label um, you know we listened to he put out a couple albums then and so the, the question was was it wrong to still listen to his older music though we know now that he's come out you know, and, um, and even though he's still making music so we're not supporting the new stuff but is it wrong to still listen to the old you know, and um, and and when hearing what you guys were saying here is like, I wonder if listening to the old still gives validity to saying, oh, well, you know what? Because he had this this talent, and because we he had these lyrics, it, you know, he could be okay. You know, it may not be as bad as we as we're making it seem to be um, with his turn off. So I don't know, what you guys. Okay, well, let me like let me that. let me tweak that a little bit more because this may be similar as well. Do you do you recommend or read books from Joshua Harris now? Like say 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 you you agreed with you know the what he wrote in his books. Now that he's come out and said he's not a believer, could you still recommend those books even if the the books even if they if you believe everything that they taught were true were biblically true? Well, even 
not to keep twisting the initial question, but what about what do we do with the Puritans and what do we do with the hymn writers and the different people that wrote, wrote most of the songs that we sing in churches that had some kind of slave background or um, the different things of that nature. Um, that's where that same question falls in line there is what do you do in those moments? Do you still sing those hymns though? They had some grievous sins in their lives, or yeah. Well, you- I think one of the even the, uh, um, I'm trying to remember which one. Luther, Luther wrote a song that was the tune of it was from a bar, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like a bar song. And well, pe- that's some what people were they were taken from modern ways of singing and put Christian words to them. So, uh, but and then John 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 Wesley did a lot of that as well. Oh, they used to do that back then too. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's always happened. <laughs> so it's kind of like preaching us, you know, by a, a you know sermon series on the movie Jaws, right? Same thing. Uh, well, I would definitely disagree with you. <laughs> Weekends at the movie, but anyway, uh, <laughs> See, you'll get the pastor side of me out, and if we start on that conversation, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. You, you can tell who, which one of us here is pastors. <laughs> You're gonna get James is gonna now come out. And <laughs> we we don't know what Kristen's hot button is, you know, and I know the movies with Eve. Rap music with Jamal. Anything dealing with preaching with with James? I, Kristen, I I don't know. I can, I can jump in there with Jamal with the rap music though. So 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 okay. I I thought or Kristen, were you going to say son? No, go ahead. You've been so quiet. I'm trying to. All right. So I I used to argue. So my my view of music. Um, and I, I may get myself in trouble with this. And I actually have a paper on the on uh, strivingfraternity.org on my view of music, but I'm more concerned with the music than the lyrics. I think that music affects the emotions, and so the, when you know, when I look at counseling, you know, the thinking is the strongest defense against sin. But if if you get past the thinking, the mind, you get to the emotions. It's a lot more it's more likely someone's going to commit a sin. And if they get past that to the volition, it's, you know, there's a progression there. So because of that, I think actually the, the lyrics are not as concerning as the music because everyone focuses on lyrics. And I think the music style could be more of an issue. You know, I heard, um, was it Sandy Patty or I think it's Sandy Patty sing amazing grace, great lyrics to amazing grace. But the way she sang it, I think, was completely sinful. It was all breathy and, and sensual, right? And the, the emotion that it can bring, I think that's a thing people don't, don't think about. Now, with the rap music, I, I have to admit that I've gone through an evolution. Um, I, I used to think that it just seemed like it was wrong. And wrong because of the style, the fast pace, of what, what I interpret as aggressive style. Um, and yet, realistically, what you think, of, what I think of it as, when you have the Christians that are doing it, it's a, it really is a very fast-paced sermon for some of these guys, where it just it's it's a ton of theology packed in, like like super packed in, like you know, speed up John MacArthur, like triple speed, and that's rap music, you know. <laughs> Jamal, when you think of aggressive Christian rap artists, who do you think of? 
aggressive Christian rap artist. Yeah, like his tone. Aggressive. Don't say Kanye West. He hasn't been saved long enough. No, he actually he hasn't been. He wasn't aggressive in his own. No, his not at all. Was it oh, Joe? Bur- was it Show Baraka? Was it um? Who was it? It was one of them guys. Um, I don't know if I was. Wasn't part of one one six. They were part of um. Um, what's the other album? So the label. Song, uh, label. Uh, uh, so not one one six, but the one that Show Baraka and all them were on. Uh, Humblebees. No, 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 no. Um, reach with uh, um, Tillman and all of them. You know, what I'm talking oh, about? I, I can't, I can't remember the name of the, the label. Um, but I can't, I think, I can't think of the most aggressive one that's off of my head. When I think about a, an aggressive one, um, man, uh, I, I have a guy in my, I have a picture in my head. I just can't think of his name right now. Uh, but he's with um, ho- uh, a hog mob. <laughs> I said it right. <laughs> For those who listen to uh, Christian hip hop, do not butcher me. I <laughs> messed it up. But um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, nah, hog mob. Now nah, I ain't got the time to do it. But um, he got some. He got some music that's kind of aggressive, but at the same time, he's not always aggressive. Uh, so I, I don't know. I can't really think of an aggressive Derek, Christian. Is it Derek Minor? No, or that's not who I was. That's not who I was thinking of. I'm thinking either Derek he's, Minor he's, or he's his, he's Hispanic. Yeah, it was he's a Hispanic cat. Yeah, he is. Um, it was some, I forgot who it was. It was somebody. But but the, I mean the point the point I was trying to bring up. The reason I say that okay. though, is I enjoyed his music because there was an aggressive tone to it. It's just ironic that Andrew said that because that's what stood out to him, me about his music. And that's the only reason I liked it was because it was different. See, I, I remember I was counseling a guy and he was struggling with anger issues. And, I, you know, I don't even know why I asked him this. I just asked him, what is it you listen to? With, like when you're driving to work, when you're at work and he would listen to Striper and Petra all day long. And that music style was a very aggressive type style. And, and I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to cut that out for an entire week. I don't want you to listen to any of, any of that hardcore, listen to sermons, listen to whatever. And he actually said to me after a week, he said he, he noticed a huge difference. And then, of course, unfortunately, he told me, I said, so you're going to permanently cut that out? He goes, no, I like it too much. And I said, okay, then don't come to me with anger issues because you don't want to change. It is interesting. I don't, I don't take those things as aggressive, that, that kind of music. And his music is something I listen to a lot in a lot of different styles. And I guess it just doesn't affect me in the same way. So I find that interesting. Yeah, I don't think it's the, it wouldn't be the tone that'll affect me. It'll be the tone with the lyrics. I know you said, Andrew, that you're not nice concerned with the lyrics, but I know, like, in my experience, I know, well, yeah, I'm just going to say, like, from my experience, um, the aggressive style when it comes to hip hop, along with the lyrics, is what affected me. Like, I, I know I had anger issues and, you know, and temper problems when I was younger. So I would listen to a lot of angry songs, you know, just climbing rap songs that talk about getting back at somebody and A, B, and C, like, that was good. I like that, you know, this set on the way to school, this put on the way to work and so on and so forth, back and forth, you know, but when it comes to 
on the Christian hip hop side of things, if there's a if someone has an aggressive tone, but talking about, but it's to me, I see it as being passionate, dealing with especially about the things of the Lord and talking about salvation and everything else. It's like it's passion, and it's, it's yeah. the tone is loud, but it's expressing how we really feel. Like man, I desperately need Christ, you know. So it's like <laughs> I see it as like man, it, it just gets me more into it. So I I, I enjoy it being an aggressive style, um, but it just along with the lyrics like. And I, I guess what, what he means is I mostly focus on what is being said versus how it's being said, you know. And um, but I, I understand what you said concerning the singer um, when they were singing in a more sensual tone. I can get how that can throw some people off, and how um, you know that could be you know someone who's you know in the crowd listening, they see it, they see the person, they're attracted to them, and then the tone of the song versus you know they're singing Amazing Grace, but it's the tone that's now attracting them. You know, I can understand that. I do think that just like everything else we've talked about, I think a lot of it has to do with context and of the individual and where they're coming from in life Um, and kind of their generation and just kind of how they were raised in a lot of different ways. If you like, if I don't know the gentleman that you're talking about, Andrew, but if we step that back far enough, the reason why he would have, possibly began listening to music like that was because of his aggression or because of some other circumstance in his life. And maybe th- there was more to it attached to it than just the music itself. Um, Cause I think you do have some people that are generally just like that style of music for whatever reason. And I'm like, Jamal, it's about to me when I hear stuff like that is a lot of times it's about the passion behind it rather than it is like an anger or, or anything of that nature. Yeah. I mean, I think that the some people are affected by the music more than others. I mean, this is like any of the other topics we've been talking about tonight. Some people are affected. For some people, it could become sinful, and for some, it wouldn't be. And that's why we have to apply the the liberty. I don't know, Chris, Kristen. We're going to try to get you talking again. She's been the quiet one. She's muted now. Oh, she's muted. All right. <laughs> so Jamal, I didn't realize he had come out. And oh, really? I, no, I didn't. Because um, I keep up with Humble pretty. Um, that's one of the main ones I keep up with now when it comes to record labels, mainly because I generally like what they put out. And that, you know, you said that earlier, and I just want to come back to it because that brings up the big issue for me when it comes to you know, what to listen to or what not to listen to. Because there's another guy, he's not a rapper or anything like that. His name was Gunger. And uh, some of his, and he was kind of like that hipster indie style music. And his early stuff was just not only lyrically, but like musically, very, very talented. But then he come out completely unorthodox about 10 years later. And this happened um, you know, probably two, three years ago. And I was under that kind of that dilemma. Cause like he was going to be playing in Birmingham, which is about an hour and a half from me. And I've always wanted to hear him live. That's, you know, it's just something I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where my dilemma came into is like, not only do I not listen to him now, his new stuff, but do I not support him in going to his concert, even though, um, musically I love his stuff even his newer stuff it's not Christian right he he kind of moved away from that topic altogether and so it's really 
if you didn't know who he was, he wouldn't sound any different than any other secular artist. Mm. But because we know that he's one that has walked away from the faith, that adds a different dilemma to the situation. And I think that's the hard part for me is what do you do then? Do you continue to support what they used to listen to now that they've walked away? Kind of like the Joshua Harris flip that Andrew added to it. What do you do with it then? Yeah, and that's the thing is, um, and that's I I struggle with that. I wonder that because with Joshua Harris, and I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't read his books prior to him coming out. Me either. Me either. And so like I, you know, I wasn't as familiar with him like that. And when uh, so when he did come out, so I won't be I won't be recommending him because you know and where he is, but I but I do wonder that like um and something you mentioned earlier, like the Puritans, people who may have had you know bits in the past, but when someone comes, someone leaves the faith, and I know Joshua Harris, he still gets revenue from them books, you know he'll still get sales and you know people keep buying them stuff like that, so they'll still support him, um, but are we supporting his apostasy in? in supporting the older works, you know, in doing so, just like with Jay Givens, am I supporting his, um, his homosexuality and listening to something he made before when he, when he, before he came out. And I think the argument that came up with Jay Givens was during the time that he was recording with Homo Beast, he was still, he was struggling with these things. We just didn't know about it. He didn't make it public, you know, yeah. but if you listen, listen to the, listen to his going back and listen to his lyrics again you can kind of tell where he, he's like okay well you know what it seems like he may have been dealing with something here just the way the the, t- the lyrics were it's like he's trying to he's trying to say something without saying it you know um dealing with himself but you know he doesn't come out with it so i can see that you know but i, I just wonder you know um will it be the will it be an issue then like will it be liberal to do so or not well let me let me tweak i'll, I'll go back to that tweak but i'll change it from joshua harris um, since you guys didn't <laughs> read, and I only read one of his books. I've read his book, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, uh, years ago, so I can't really remember. <clears throat> I mean, it seemed fine at the time, but uh, I, I used to have a friend, uh, Mark Cahill, wrote, writes, had written some excellent, excellent books on evangelism. And they're great books. He, he's very, I mean, really well written, uh, very easy to read, and I love the books. But then he's come out and, you know, not to debate Calvinism, Arminianism here, but he's come out to say that anyone that's a Calvinist is not saved. See, now I have a real problem with that because now he's, he's, he's basically not, you know, I mean, he, he basically told me I'm a Calvinist because I preach on stage with Calvinists and I'm like, but so have you, <laughs> right? So it's, it's more Cahill. Was he Muslim background? No. Okay, I'm trying to think of who Mark. I know Mark Cahill, but I can't picture who he is. Yeah, he's he was a uh, he's tall. He's like one of most. He 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 likes to give me a hug, and it was the most uncomfortable thing because he's got to bend down like how he's like six ten. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I know who he is now. Super yeah. super generous guy, really really love lovable kind of guy. But the problem is, is that I feel like if I recommend his books to people. I don't want them going into where he now is starting to, you know, he he, he kind of left and, and started hanging out with people that are, you know, don't believe in original sin, believe they're sinlessly perf- perfect and things like that. And so is purchasing a book from someone like that or recommending an older book that the book is still good, you know, is, is that something we can do? Is that 
does does doing that and this is sort of all along you know james like you said with the hill song it's it's sort of the same issue can i promote it can i recommend this book can i give out this book and does that taint does does what he believes today you know or what hillsong teaches does that taint being able to recommend that book same thing with joshua harris okay so i think your context matters there and that's what i was going to about to say to jamal talking about um listening to that guy is i think the context is what matters here because like and i would kind of rebuttal by asking who are you going to recommend the book to are you going to do it openly on your youtube channel or are you going to do it to an individual you know and so i think there's a right way of recommending things but prefacing them with what's going on now uh, for example if like even if we take Joshua Harris, for example, if if somebody really enjoyed that book and thought it was a fantastic, solid um, way of explaining how to approach dating as a believer, I think there's a right way of recommending that book and prefacing with, you know, and explaining what that guy's done now and then doing it in that way. Well, Cahill is the same thing. Is I think you could recommend that book and preface it to whoever you recommend it to is that, but his newer stuff, you should stay away from it. But some of these specific topics, I think they're okay. Much like I think of the early church fathers. All right. So, um, for example, uh, you take Augustine or however you want to pronunciate that. Um, and you take his different readings, his different writings throughout his time. He fluctuated in what he believed. He was working through his sanctification and so you, you'll read at some point and that he wrote some very good things and some other points he wrote some things that were not so great. But do you not recommend him all together or do you just recommend specific things and preface it, you know? Okay, so James, this one's directed toward you then. Would you, um, in like in church, on for church service, would you sing a Hillsong song but preface it? I personally wouldn't because the setting's different because you're talking about the gathered body of believers coming together. And I think it's a much different platform to preface that. Um, If I was talking to somebody that I was walking through a specific topic with, or there were, um, for example, if they were studying something in that book would be beneficial for them. I would recommend a book to them that somebody that may not agree with completely and then preface it. Um, so I guess example. So I guess a good um the context and that would be then like if, like same scenario you're um speaking with someone you know one on one more personal mm-hmm. and would you recommend a Hillsong song you know like to listen to you know say hey you know this the, the lyrics are but preface it you know the lyrics are pretty okay you know they're not in, this particular song may not be heretical um but you know they they have some I have some disagreements with what they believe and stuff like that. I, I mean, think possi- we- possibly. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I would just say possibly. But I I don't particularly know any songs that I would recommend in any setting, just because I don't listen to them. So it's harder for yeah, me to say. Too. I haven't listened to them in eight years. So <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to bring up the fact that we have a bit of a celebrity mentality here in the United States, where we seem to idolize the people who write music or. Uh, 
I, I see it like with this whole defense of Beth Moore going on. It's like Beth Moore had a good Bible study that touched my life sometime in the past. And so now I have to defend her to the death because, you know, she's she touched my life sometime in the past. And I'm not I'm not saying she actually has. I'm just saying this is the argument that you hear yeah. from a lot of women. And so we have the celebrity mentality that if they did something good once that therefore they have to be put up on this pedestal and practically worshipped by Christian by Christian community and they can't do any wrong. We have to remember that every living Christian and dead Christian for that matter has feet of clay. We all have something that we stumble with. We all have uh, ways that we're going to be wrong because we're not Christ. We're only trying to exemplify Christ in our life. Uh, We can't hold, we cannot put Christians up on pedestals because we set them up to fail. They're always going to some weakness in their, their walk with the Lord is going to get exposed publicly by being put up on pedestals. That's why James told, told us that not, not many of us should become uh, teachers because it, it gives us, it puts us under a greater scrutiny and, and it's, it sets us up. And so I think that that is a, a difficulty in the mentality of the of the Western church that we idolize people, we put them up on pedestals and then, uh, and then uh, it just makes us all stumble when they fail because they will fail. It's only a matter of time. So can we say Kanye West? <laughs> right. I mean, it's amazing that, that, I mean, you talk about celebrity status. I mean, I'm amazed at how people are defending the fact that here's a, a new believer of six months and we think he should be leading worship and preaching. Like, no, if it was anybody who wasn't a celebrity, would we support that? No, but everyone mm-hmm. defends it. You're totally right. I'm not. I'm going to abstain from this conversation because I think it may lead us to discussing stuff much, much longer. Um, well, go for it. I mean, we're, hey, look, we're, we're, this is about us disagreeing in love, right? So I think, like, let's take the Kanye for example. Um, listen, I, I listened to maybe one or two of her songs before. Um, I've listened to his album. I've listened to it several times. Um, the idea of him being a worship, uh, leading worship, I think that's questionable. Most solid people that I have talked to about his album wouldn't consider him leading worship and wouldn't even take it to that level, um, especially if you watch some of the videos of um, the kind of the actual, um, I forget his name, and I love the fact that I don't know his name, but the pastor. Adam, Adam Taylor. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, you see him present the gospel. He's the one speaking to the congreg- the crowd, I'll call it that. Uh, now, I will admittedly say that the idea of calling them church services is quite questionable to me. Um, yeah, yeah but he has that. been he has been invited since to church services and has spoken during church services. Yeah, has he? Yeah. yeah. And well, he's, he's, I think, he, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I was, was just going to say, I do think... <sighs> I think. Um, hey, everyone, catch this. We have a pastor that was just speechless. Just for the record, we just. <laughs> <laughs> I think time will quickly tell if he's regenerate or not. Oh, because I think he. No, I think I think he is legit. I do too. I, I, think, I think he think. might. He may get possibly shipwrecked if he. Does. I mean, I think he's. I mean, I. I hope that Pastor Adam 
continues to disciple. And that's what I said on my Apologetics Live show is that I think a lot of this is going to be on Pastor Adam to say, hey, look, you really shouldn't be going to Joel Steen's church. You really should be going to, you know. Um, and I think that's what we may disagree some too, because if he preaches the gospel, like they've been doing at his concerts at Joel Osteen Church. Oh yeah, no, I no. There, there, we're going to be in agreement. I've always said I will go anywhere if they don't. I mean, I got invited to to speak at the Flat Earth Convention, um, dude. If I could, if I, you know, they asked me for the, you know, what do I want to speak on? I was like, uh, out of Isaiah, that the world is a sphere. For some reason, they didn't want me speaking, but may, maybe I should have been more deceptive. <laughs> In the title. <laughs> well, I, I'm always reminded of, you know, one of, and I know everybody may not be a fan of him, but uh, Matt Chandler, one of his most famous sermons is the moment where he says, you're, you're not David. Oh, yes, my, um, I love that so, one. Huh? I love that one. Well, so often I think we forget that he preached that at Stephen Furtick's church. Yeah. <laughs> in a conference where they were talking about them being David. And he did this in the middle of this conference. Uh, and so I think there could be good in moments like that. That's like everybody was kind of attacking. And I, I don't know much about it. I didn't keep up with it. Um, Francis Chan for speaking at these different events with the different heretics. Um, I initially didn't have a big reservation against it because if he was preaching the true gospel in those events, it'd be a fantastic thing. Uh, yeah. Some of his... Some of the way he handled that was questionable. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, like well, Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron got a lot of question because they were on TBN and and their attitude was the gospel's going out. I mean, there were so many TBN people needed to hear the gospel and they were getting saved. So, um, but I think it's more if, if I'm, I mean, if I was at Joel Steen's, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't just preach the gospel. I'd be preaching against what he teaches, yeah, and then preach the gospel sort of thing. I think, yeah. And I think the point that I was making was, is that we don't, we attack heresy. We don't attack heretics. So we, we have to be careful of where we're drawing the line. And my whole point about bringing up people have, you know, we're all Christians. We all feed a clay. I mean, do we strike the Proverbs from the Bible because King Solomon strayed in the later part of his life and took prostitutes and, and left the Lord. And, but we have what is it? Three books of the Bible that were written by King Solomon and David stumbled as well. I mean, mm-hmm. God put people who stumbled in the Bible so that we would know that we don't have to be perfect. No, that was good, that was good well, stuff. Man. Well, think about even the book of Jonah, right? The entire book is about a man running away from what God was calling him to do because of mm-hmm. he, was, he hated. And he's still disgruntled at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it was never a good story. Yeah. <laughs> no, no positive moment in Jonah's life. Yeah. It was good for Nineveh for the time being. <laughs> so, Eve, you believe that Solomon wasn't saved in the end, huh? I don't know. I mean, we, we honestly can't know what goes on in people's hearts. Only God does. So I think it's we need to be careful about judging people. I, I Frankly, we do have to judge what comes out of them, their fruit, but whether or not they're, you know, the end result of them is, I think, is really up to the spirit and up to God. I mean, we can't look into their hearts like God can. So, so Eve, this is going to be completely different than what we're talking about, but I'm curious to your take on this. How should we handle movies that tend to have an agenda behind them? Um, 
when I just to be pretty specific, I think of a lot of TV shows and things now where they're taking, um, you know, homosexuality and transgenderism and things of that nature and not just making them a part of the plot line, but they're making that the center of the plot line. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I don't like it any more than anybody else does. In fact, we, we had this discussion on one of our recent podcasts. I'm trying to remember which movie we were talking about. My co-host Tim was very upset about a social justice issue that was prevalent oh. in the movie. And yeah, um, I gotta I, look at and that. I can't remember which movie we it, were it talking was a recent about. it was a recent one yeah, it was um a recent episode it not really Jeremy just threw him out of not the movie. Jeremy or Jer- was it something man um not Jim and I man it was the one before it was the one before that it was an older movie oh yeah um is it, is it, is it, is it the adjustment the bureau I yes adjustment one. bureau yeah so that, no I have never seen that movie mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so just for the record you don't have to actually watch movies to learn how to think critically about movies and if you listen to you know are you just watching you actually get to know a little bit about some of the movies yeah <laughs> but, well, I, well, like, I watch but, it i like some different shows on just different tv and that's like um dc tv shows mm-hmm. y'all those are becoming so woke <laughs> Yeah, well, they, are, they really are. And yeah. Well, but not even. Hey, well, let me let me throw something else at you, James. Is we my wife and I tried watching a. Uh, we watched. Um, oh, it was it was like on Vic, Victoria or one of the queens of in England. And they had it was like a series. So, so first season fine. By the second season, all of a sudden they're throwing all kinds of, you know, they're all of a sudden there was a scene with with you know, two guys and a, and a girl. And yeah, it's I'm just like, what in the crime. world? Like, yeah. just why? So, well, the, the interesting thing about that was it was historically true. I think they could have handled that a lot better than they did, but obviously they didn't for their reasons. For the, exactly. Um, but his, historically that did happen. And so I can see why it was in the plot line, but it could have been insinuated to some extent in left it up to the mystery of the mind uh, rather than how they. Yes. We ended up turning that one off. I like this. I like the season until all of that happened. That's exactly what Mars said. Like, 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 you know, like, why do we have to see, like, it's just, we like more historical stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think well, that. I can get behind a lot of historical things. Go ahead. Well, I just think that your your initial question was, what do you do with that? And I think as Christians, we have to make our decision as, you know, whether we want to watch it or not, whether, because you have to remember that your viewership is a vote. So when you watch something that, that contains things in it that you don't like, you're basically telling, you know, the producer of that, you're voting in favor of it by watching it. Uh, Amazon recently came out with something called The Boys, and I watched the first episode of it and had so much bad stuff in it. I'm like, I can't watch this, and I actually put it out that I couldn't watch it. I, you know, I put it out there. I, I wrote a review on one of their advertisements, and I got blasted, you know, for having a conscience. But I'm like, you have to let people know the reason why you're not going to watch something because uh, it's your vote. You know, you're gonna and you're I'm gonna tell you- them. I'm glad you brought that up about that particular show because I, I was seeing the um the previews for it and it looked interesting. Like it does I, I was look thinking interesting. about actually watching it. Yeah. 
I was thinking about actually watching. I was like, okay, superheroes, cool, doing this thing. And then, but then when you said that, then I'm like, you know, that makes sense. We're in, we're in this culture, you know, it's like, it's, it's a given, you know, so it's, it's good. I'm glad that you actually brought that up. I mean, the, the whole concept of the boycott of, you know, not buying the things that offend you. I think as Christians, we just need to be careful of what we're voting for when our consumership uh, in, in our culture it's like if you're going to go watch a rated R movie, that means that you're voting for them to produce more rated R movies. If you watch a show that is very uh, progressive in its ideals and, and very open about, you know, things that you disagree with and you continue to watch it, then you are voting in favor of them producing more content like that. So, so let me ask this. Did you watch <coughs> uh, Friends any or do you watch Friends? Any? <laughs> no. TV show? No, I haven't. Um, Okay, well, it was, you know, it's a fairly old show. Um, and so in that show, in this time period, it would have been quite, quite aggress- uh, progressive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, second or third season, one of the main characters' wife leaves him for another woman, and it's kind of intertwined throughout the show. Um, but it's it's not the main thought behind the show, you know? It's not the, the main driving moment. Um, where you see some of the shows and movies out now, that's the – kind of like the heart behind it like what i was talking about with the cw they came out with batwoman which i'm not a huge fan of batwoman but i thought it was interesting but the whole reason she becomes batwoman is because she's a lesbian and um that drives yes exactly that was the drive to it and so like can't watch it would you say there's a difference between what we can and well should and should not watch if it's the drive behind it rather than just in passing or I think that's for you to make that decision where you draw the line. Clearly, he doesn't listen to your podcast because I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, I've listened to a few. But, uh, so so but let me throw this out at you to, to tweak what you're saying. What about a movie like Star Wars where it yeah. was to teach a religious view of, you know, the force, you know, this Eastern mysticism? Could You know, would that fall into the same? That's where I thought you were going to go with it when you started until you... You know, I was like, oh. Well, I definitely don't like approve of people who try to take Star Wars and turn it into a, a Christian uh, story. I've, I've, I've heard people do that, you know, try to try to turn it into the gospel, you know, the gospel according to Star Wars. I definitely wouldn't do that. I would review a Star Wars movie and I would point out where there are you know, having false ideas and, and then use that to present the gospel as a counter to it. It's like, um, it showed this is us. It came out. I don't know if any of you would watch that uh, series, uh, but it was, it was a nice, it's like, a, it like, you know, when it first came out, it was like a family show, you know, really, really nice. Um, I mean, it got you into the plot, you know, just made you feel for the dad. And, and you know it's a family and everything else, uh, just a storyline. Um, but into the season that came recently, I haven't kept up with it since most in this season. Um, it had a moment where the daughter of one of the, um, the characters, the black guy, uh, his daughter came was had an episode where she came out as being or having same sex attractions, and um, and they made that where it was something in passing, as was James was saying, but then it became. Uh, you tell they was pushing the agenda, you know, that it's okay. Like, this is like, it's okay. You know, it's just 
this, this is you, and, you know, we love you anyway and everything else. And, you know, just kind of pushing that agenda like, you know, oh, if you come out, if you're a lesbian, then no one will love you. Everybody will hate you, you know, where it's not really understanding that it's a sin that's against, that we're against versus dealing with the individual and that. But it's like, um, but yeah, so I, I became... If ever, it became uncomfortable for me to watch the show as much because not only that, it wasn't just that, like that was a part of it, but then you had the the son, the black guy, not only did his daughter come out to be a lesson, but you had his, he met his father, he finally caught up with his father, his his real father, but then found out his father was homosexual, and they, they flaunted that in the screen, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, it, it seemed what it was promoting, and then some of them were uh, evil saying, like, they, the, the companies who make these movies and make these shows, they don't know what you know? What we're looking at, and and if we're disagreeing with this and that, they just look at the view. You know, well, I got the count. No, I think I think I think they have an agenda. I think I mean, I I, I go have an agenda. <clears throat> I go back to, and I'm going to date myself, <clears throat> but I remember watching the movie Kramer versus Kramer, which now is considered a classic. <clears throat> but why? The reason they put that out was to 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 normalize divorce. Because when that movie came out in the eighties, like nobody that I knew in my school was divorced, had parents that were divorced. But after that came out, all of a sudden, it, it was I, I recognized like within the year, a bunch of my friends, their parents got divorced. Like after that movie, and it just normalized it. <clears throat> now let me let me because we, we're I know we're going to end up having a wrap up, and we haven't had too much disagreement. I'm going to try now. <laughs> I'm going to throw something out at at Eve. Let's see. Um, so Eve said that we shouldn't try to take Star Wars and, and you know, finding the gospel in Star Wars. How about Lord of the Rings? Because there was that book that came out, Finding the Gospel in Lord of the Rings. Um, just because the author professes to be a Christian, does that make the book and movie Christian? No. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the thing and I'll give you background on this where, I, where I'm asking this question and see what you guys think of it. <clears throat> when Harry Potter came out, the books, um, there was some, and I think it actually started on like the Onion, which is satire, where they were had something about Harry Potter teaching witchcraft or, or whatever. But <clears throat> here was the thing: a whole bunch of people uh, came out against Harry Potter. Uh, I was pastoring at the time and had to. You know, people were asking me about this. Now, when Da Vinci Code came out, I read Da Vinci Code. I mean, I, I'll read these things. I've read The Hobbit. I've read The Lord of the Rings. Um, I've read Chronicles of Narnia. <clears throat> and I, I ended up reading Harry Potter. Now, I ended up reading a book that, was, that someone gave me uh, to read that basically blasted Harry Potter, but praised Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. And somehow they were trying to say that in Harry Potter there was magic and magic was bad. And I'm going, but there was a ton of magic in Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> you know, and, and in, in Lord of the Rings. Now, Chronicles of Narnia did seem to have, I mean, C.S. Lewis did have an agenda of trying to promote the gospel. I don't think that was the case with, with Tolkien with uh, Lord of the Rings. And I made the case that if you know the storyline of Harry Potter, I could actually, it wasn't, Harry Potter was not written as a Christian book, but you could see the gospel easier in Harry Potter than you can Lord of the Rings. I mean, the, the, I'll ruin the ending for any of you guys that didn't read it, but in the end, in the end, here's a guy who's 
you know he's he's what makes him special is he's he has the love of his of his mother but he has this ring this uh resurrection stone and so the the way he saves the world is he has to die for everybody and he uses the resurrection stone to resurrect himself and come back and defeat the bad guy <laughs> and i'm like yeah. I can make that. I mean, that's real easy. I mean, Resurrection Stone and everything makes the gospel easy. But Lord of the Rings, I think that's pushing it. So, but a lot of people have an issue with that because, well, a they say that it was sinful for me to read Harry Potter, but <laughs> um, they wouldn't listen to my podcast then, would they? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I so so. I I think that just because you know, like the argument that a lot of people make is that Lord of the Rings is good because the author was saved, and I'm saying, but no, it's the same fantasy. It's the same. I don't see how you the content of the of the book doesn't make it somehow Christian in my mind. I, I awesome. definitely will agree that you can't get saved reading the Lord of the Rings. It's not the Bible. <laughs> it's not the Gospel. Uh, I think that. My opinion on something like The Lord of the Rings is that we need more people writing that kind of fiction who are Christians because they exemplify uh, Christianity in their writing, even if they're not writing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can put forward Christian morals and Christian ethics and uh, and lead people to question and, and look for more truth. Uh, I think that if you're going to be writing uh, fantasy, it's better to back it on a Christian foundation than to back it on a, on a, uh, any of the other world religions out yeah. there, uh, that will lead people astray. I've, I've read fantasy from, you know, people who are, uh, who are pagan to the hilt and, uh, and they, they, their morals and their ethics come through in their writing. And then you have to sit down and, like I do with any of the movies that I review and are you just watching, you have to, you know, this is where they're wrong. This is where they're presenting a wrong worldview. This is, you know, how this doesn't fit into Christianity. But the Christian authors and Christian movie makers and Christian songwriters, they're going to bring their faith to what they create, but that doesn't make their creations gospel truth. So you always have to understand that they are presenting things uh, out of their worldview which means that there are going to be things in there that we like, but they are, they're not scripture as they're not, you know, ordained scripture. So you have to put them, you know, in the place uh, in the position on the side saying this is nonfiction or this is fiction written by um, people who have perhaps the correct worldview, but it's still fiction. Okay. Let me, let me do this then. I'm going to tweak that, throw something out for each of us. We're going to, we're going to wrap up. So I'll let each of you answer and wrap up anything else you want to say. And so here, let me ask it this way. Cause so here you have a believer that writes something that's not Christian based. This is a big argument people make. So can a, uh, what's his name? I think it was Shailin that uh, was a Christian rapper that then started writing secular songs. Um, can a Christian, produce a book music you know any, anything in the arts that doesn't point to the strictly to the gospel in other words if i'm a christian musician does every song have to be christian based 
if I'm a Christian writer, does everything have to have the gospel in it? Does, you know, if I produce movies, does it always have to point to the gospel or a Christian theme? So uh, we'll we'll go we'll go in uh, any order you guys want, and and I'll and then uh, hit that or any of the other topics that you want to wrap up. Well, I definitely have a position on that. I believe that we need more Christians that are writing for secular audiences because we're not reaching we're not reaching the world if all we're doing is preaching to the choir. And I'd much rather read a fantasy book written by a Christian author than a fantasy book written by a pagan author, you know, if I'm going to read fantasy. And so I think that, yes, definitely we should be uh, using our skills and our talents that God gave us to uh, to sneak the sneak our worldview and our ethics and our morality into the world. They do it to us. Why shouldn't we do it to them? You're encouraging us to be sneaky. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I admit it. I just I just like to listen to Eve laugh. I kind of. <laughs> okay, which one do you guys want to go? I'll agree with Eve on that. Um, I do believe that. As believers, no, no matter what we're producing, and everybody's producing something. If it, it may not be any form of artwork, but it could be the way we work, the way we live our lives, the way we parent. It has to be informed by the gospel. Um, now, does that necessarily mean that everything we say or do points directly to the cross and what Christ accomplished for us? Not necessarily, but it it may speak to how we now live our life in light of the gospel and we may still like in take movies or uh, music or anything of that. For example, it may speak to reality of life and the difficulty of life without necessarily spelling out what the gospel is, but it could be pointing to the effects of Christ in our life now. So, yeah, I guess this is going to be a a disappointing thing because we're going to agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I, I, I was saying the same. I, um, I was thinking about when, when you brought the question up, Andrews, I think I have like a separate channel that I do, um, that I have like, just like kind of vlogging. I really be on it. Um, I've been doing it mostly now since I started growing my hair back out, doing like a lock journey. It's a YouTube culture thing, but it's like when I create those videos for that particular channel, you know, I'm not preaching the gospel every time I come on, you know, I'm just basically talking about, you know, the process of, growing dreadlocks, you know, and, you know, why I grow them, you know, and I guess it to me, it's important because a lot of people that grow dreadlocks, they have this stigma because they're trying to be a Rastafarian or they have, they are this conscious, more conscious type people, you know? So, um, yeah, I definitely think. And, and you, be, you do it you because know, of my white privilege, don't you? My, you? I do it for exactly that reason. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that reason. I want, I want to be able to, I want to be able to show that there's something that your privilege can't touch. <laughs> You know, can't touch this. You guys are hilarious. <laughs> oh, <Wait. laughs> I think we've been on here too long. Guys. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let, we'll wrap up <clears throat> with this. I mean, I think, I think here's, here's the thing I think we started with. We saw throughout when we look at these different, the different issues and we looked at a number of them. I think the the overarching theme that we see in Scripture is that we need to be seeking to glorify God, and we do need to be aware of whether we could cause our our brothers or sisters to stumble. 
And so, you know, maybe folks who are, are, you know, listening, there's other issues. Maybe you disagree with us. Um, we're going to do more of these on different topics. We'll probably find some that we disagree more with. Um, you know, we I know Col- Colleen wants to do one on baptism. So. <laughs> being being like one of the few <laughs> Presbyterians in her in her community, she, she's probably waiting for more Presbyterians to come on in, and then, then we could do it. <laughs> do one on church government or something. <laughs> so, uh, but. Check out the different podcasts on the Christian Podcast Community. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org, and you can see all of the the podcasts. Uh, the Christian Podcast Community is a ministry of striving for eternity. Uh, we've had represented here tonight Prescribed Truth with Jamal Bandy. Um, we have James White, who is one of the guys from the Everyday Ministries. E. Franklin, are you just watching? And she, although Kristen dropped out, she's with awe, In Awe and Wonder, and I'm with a whole bunch of podcasts. So <laughs> I, I got four of them. <laughs> so, uh, but check check out our podcast. Listen, share. Uh, we we try to produce some good content for folks, and um, you know. So with that, next next week, next month, we'll be back. I don't know what topic we'll choose. I'm going to leave that up to James to help me figure figure out a good topic, maybe one that will have more disagreement. We actually thought there would be more disagreement here, but uh, we, we're all pretty like-minded. We, we need to get some, some others in here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So until, until next episode of the Theological Throwdown, we hope to see you. I hope keep listening to good Christian podcasts. See you next time.